There's mummies and dummies and ghosts that bark. There's goblins and ghoulies that wait in the dark. If you wish to wet your pants with fright, listen to Gaxi on Goosebumps tonight. I'm gonna come. Rise, Dogecoin, rise. Right, you're you're good there, Sam. Yep, I've got I've got um my headphones in this time, so hearing you talk feels like I'm listening to a podcast and not making a podcast. I also just got notified on the Zoom call that this is being recorded. Like, yeah, I mean, for the podcast. All right. Welcome back to Gatsy on Goosebumps, the only show in which I read and review every single Goosebumps book from R.L. Stein's original series. Joining me, as always, is my co-host with the most ghost, the master of scaremonies, the dungeon master. That's two masters in two nicknames. We'll have to amend that. Sam Rogerson. How are you, Mr. Rogerson? I'm very well. I will also accept just the word master with a times two next to it if it um, makes things easier. That's why I usually go by at most conventions. Just um, master, master squared is also another name you can, you can put forward. I'll accept all of them, as I always do. So plants are everywhere. They're in your garden, they're in, uh, they're in your nan's garden. But what happens uh, when those plants say no more? And that's sort of the central question at the heart mm. of today's Goosebumps book, which is Goosebumps number two, Stay Out of the Basement. Rogerson, how did you read this one? Was this another audio adventure? Yeah, this is another audio adventure. Again, this, a single voice actor doing all roles. Um, it was a lady when she would do the, the dad's voice. She sounded like the, the blonde lady from Legally Blonde, Stifler's mum. Jennifer Coolidge? Yes, yes, with the big lips. Yes, she would sound like that every time the dad talks, and I found it very funny. Also, sorry, can we just get it out of the way? There's so many moments I wrote, like, the first time I made a weed joke, I had to then, like, scrap it because there is, it is too low-hanging fruit. Front cover, did you, did you see the front cover on yours? Did you it's have the a leafy front... hand? Leafy mm. hand? Mm. Yes. And, and now this is actually one of the ones I think I read when I was younger. It's got sort of a leafy hand reaching out, maybe to grab somebody, maybe to um, grab someone's appendage. We don't know. Um, not specified on the cover. Uh, but this is one of only two covers in the original series, not illustrated by Tim Jacobus. This one looks very realistic in a way. Yeah, that it sort of doesn't have a, the cartoon quality that some of his do. No, You're quite right. Almost photorealistic. Yeah. The uh, the little um, tagline on the front is "Something's waiting in the dark," which yes. uh, I guess that that again that could apply to quite a few Goosebumps books. Yeah, that's that's pretty vague. I think could, you could have. There's more. There's more fun to be had with this tagline. A, pla- a plant pun or something. Yeah, like yeah. I'm not even going to try and make one because I haven't got um, anything better than that. Maybe something like uh, it's time to turn over a new leaf. Also, my dad um, has a tree <laughs> for a face. That's, yeah, just one, that's just one example. Yeah, yeah. Um, stop me, if you, stop me, readers beware. My dad's got a tree face. <laughs> and uh, the blurb reads as follows: Live plants, ellipses, dead people? Question mark. Straight away, like this is first line of the blurb and it's hard to to get your weed comparison out of my head dr brewer is doing a little plant testing in his basement (laughs) nothing to worry about harmless really but margaret and casey brewer are worried about their father especially when they meet some of the plants he is growing down there 
Then mm-hmm. they notice that their father is developing plant-like tendencies. In fact, he is becoming distinctly weedy and seedy. Dad's, his dad's been hanging out under the bridge. Yeah, his, uh... his dad's got slick back hair now. He's a real <laughs> piece of shit. Is it just part of their father's harmless experiments? Or has the basement turned into another little shop of horrors? Now, that last oh, line... You'd hope not. I mean, are you familiar with the, the movie slash musical Little Shop of Horrors? I have, about- through cultural osmosis, I have heard it mentioned a lot. And I know that someone goes in someone's mouth and gets eaten. Yeah, it's about a, a guy who adopts a essentially a flesh-eating plant. But I never got that reference as a kid, turned into another Little Shop of Horrors. I'm like, yeah, what's I, the first I, Little Shop was- of Horrors? So, Sam, what we're going to do is uh, this is a brand new idea that I have uh, stolen from a more popular podcast. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to describe to tell me what happens in the plot. All right? Let's find so out what I'll, happens I'll now, in yeah. three, two, one, go. So Casey and Margaret are two children. Their dad is a workaholic. He's been fired recently and has moved his work area to their basement. Their mother is quite insipid. The dad doesn't seconds. like anyone. Um, they start to notice that he might be a, he's eating plant stuff. The mum goes to see her sick sister they realize that there might be Five another plant man and the dad is one of the plant men, but not the one they think it is. That was pretty good. I will. I, will I don't ex- understand. I, I feel like time, I thought I had gone like five seconds when you were like, you've got five seconds left. I was like, no, I don't. I've got 25 seconds left. I've yeah, got that, was, time. that was me trying to complete my year 12 exam when I've got, I've got to write about George <laughs> Washington. I've this? got 10 minutes left. <laughs> And you've like, oh, you got good. Half, done. <laughs> good. I haven't done an entire section. The things worked out for me though, and for George Washington. Is he dead? Uh, George Washington, the first president of the United States. He might be. I didn't even know he was sick. <laughs> <laughs> Does this one not like feel like nothing happens from chapter four to chapter sixteen? You, you pretty much summed it up really well. Dad's in the basement doing experiments on plants. Margaret and Casey are feeling increasingly isolated from him. Mother's not in town. She's gone to visit her sister. He... I feel like the mum's mentally not in town either. You know what I mean? Like oh, my God. There's so much, like, family dynamics. I think we should... That, that's we what should... kind of shocked me. Is like that, that feels like that is 80% of the book is the fact that the dad won't talk to his children and the mother is Xanaxed out of her mind yeah, uh, in look, Florida. I don't want to like obviously Sorry, make, Arizona. I don't want to make light of a serious real world issue, but did you get a lot of like parallels of like either like child abuse or spousal abuse? That's the kind of atmosphere this gave me, which as an adult is scary because that's not what you want as an adult. But as a kid, I was like, this isn't that scary. I mean, it, it goes places towards the end, but I just feel like it was more like the mental games going on between the dad and the mum and mm. the, the kids feeling isolated, as you said, the kids feeling isolated and, and what that entailed. Yeah. I thought that was definitely the most sort of effective part of the story is just the isolation. These kids feel from their dad and in the way, in the way that they, they deal with it separately, like they're always trying to excuse it or trying to like find, find yes. reasons they- for why their dad's acting so strange. 
and they always justify it by he's got an important job and he's working hard or even towards the end when they realize that he's doing fucked up stuff it's like oh but he'll be famous for this though so it's okay he hasn't talked to mum in three years but He'll be famous when they realise he's been doing eugenics on plants. Oh my god, the eugenics conversation. That's a, that's a big thing, isn't it? Later on, like, but at first I was like, oh, that's what they do with plants. And he yeah. mentions animals. I'm like, oh yeah, people breed animals to get certain traits. He's yeah, like, I put my own blood in it. I was like, oh, that's weird. They eventually, after you know, getting caught sneaking into the basement enough times, the dad sort of begrudgingly offers an explanation for sort of what he's doing. And mm. the explanation he gives is just a pretty textbook definition of eugenics saying how, well, you know, it's, imagine if we could isolate good genes from people and, uh, you know, breed them with other good genes. And then we'd have a race of like really, really good, you know, good people. Things would be better if we all had the same exact genome. Apparently. Yeah. Dad's a uh, dad's, really into racial science as well yeah but, um, dad, dad's got some dad's got some theories on the way the world should be going in the future well dad just wants you to look at what's going on in like uh detroit and chicago and then make up your own mind okay um some, hey, hey kid hey kids eugenics is not a big mood <laughs> so i found the, the children very whiny this time okay. and i know that was something that came up in the previous one that the kids could be a bit complaining or, you know, they'd whine a bit. But I found this one, they justify a lot of things to each other. And I think they're, they're not awful characters. But when their friend comes over. Yeah, Diane. Diane. When she comes over, I think that kind of, like, there's a lot of dialogue of shut up. No, you shut up. Mm-hmm. No, you shut up. And that was quite annoying. But I found it like, this might be like, you know, approaching that topic of the the, the relationship with the, with the parents and the kids and stuff. But when Diane's like, my dad says that your dad is um, mad you know, doing illegal. Yeah, a mad scientist. And like when that stuff was happening, I was like, that is like terrifying as a kid to be like, oh, people think that me or my family are bad. And I thought that was really realistic that even though she has all these doubts about her, how what's going on with her father, as soon as someone else brings it up, her default is to like defend him because it's like, no, it's my dad. I can have those those yes, criticisms. Even, even though she, she agrees with like, this is why yeah, is she doesn't happening? want someone outside the family expressing that because, you know, that's that's her family. But I, I didn't think these kids were anywhere near as whiny as that little oh. fu- fucking punk kid in the other one was Josh and <laughs> fucking dead house whining in the back of the fucking station wagon. Shut the fuck up, you little shit. I didn't think these kids were anywhere near as bad. And I thought a lot of that was the fact that, you know, Margaret. Um, oh, there's 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 lots of gender going on in this book, particularly that like Margaret has to become the mum of the family. And she makes him sandwiches all the time. That's is that the part you're thinking of? Like yes, yes. Like, the make, make makes her sandwich. makes her little brother sandwiches. Yep. She just instinctively does that and just sort of instinctively accepts that. But also when the mother's going away to visit her sister in uh, Tucson, Tus- Tus- Tuscan, Tuscan, doesn't Tucson, matter. Arizona. Tucson, Arizona, um, get yep. back, get back, get back to where you once belonged. Um, um, the mother <laughs> says to Margaret, I'm worried about your father. Don't worry, Margaret told her seriously. We'll take good care of him. Just make sure that he eats something once in a while, Mrs. Brewer said. So why is it your daughter's responsibility <laughs> to make sure your fucking husband be- eats? <laughs> she married like some real incel guy who's like, I'm not, I'm not cooking. I yeah, yeah. Well, I just so- want to eat. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Everything. 
<laughs> like, just make sure he's not just like eating that's what, uh, oven yeah, that's chips. This, yes, but that's why the stoner stuff came so like the, <laughs> the, the, the easy jokes were so were so there, and then he was a real like I, he'd lock himself in the room and he wouldn't talk to anyone and he wouldn't eat unless someone cooked him fucking oven chips. And yeah. I was like, isn't this just like a, a college kid who's like dropped out of school and he's just like getting high playing World of Warcraft in the basement? Yeah, only eats yeah, chicken nuggets. Yeah. Yes. Before we oh, get okay. to, I guess, the final yeah. climax, did you find yeah. any like tense moments or scary moments, uh, particularly as Margaret and um, Casey discover more and more plant-like things did anything creep you out yeah you know when they go down there with diane and yep. like, there's a lot and the plants are leaning this way and that i was kind of like well, obviously that's they're alive but I, I keep forgetting that from their perspective these are kids who just everything would be scary in the certain mm-hmm. light so mm-hmm. like, whether it's a live plant or not a live plant both mm-hmm. could be scary if you're eight so yeah. looking at that one, I think that stuff there is probably well written to a young person who's reading that stuff, but nothing really jumped out there. I think, I think the scene when the boss turns up. Yeah. Like Mr. Martinez. Yes. That gave me real like horror film vibes of like. Yeah. There's that great scene where they've gone snooping around in the basement and Casey took his jumper off or his sweater off and yes, left it the down there. And it, and it feels like there's a clock ticking. You can, yeah, you know, they've like got. It. he's got to go down and get it back up before the dad comes in. I thought that was well done. Also, do you, yes. what did you think of the scene where out of nowhere their dad makes them this bre- this breakfast or lunch? That, and it's yeah, this... that was... Because oh, that, that comes after Margaret's seen him eating the plant food. Yeah, that she yeah. Calling plant food. Yeah, that, that was... That's the part where I was... First, I'll just add that I didn't see the twist coming. I don't know how. Yeah, yeah. I, was quite, I was quite tickled by the twist, even though it's probably very obvious to the average person. But when, when he's cooking for them, mm. I was like, this seems like a cook. I, I, I don't know if he went, this doesn't seem like the same person that we're talking about. <laughs> I thought that was a great scene because he just fucking loses it at his kids mm. for not for them was, not eating this real, green it was goo. Real, it was real... Um, Jack Nicholson losing his mind at his wife and daughter, his wife and son in The Shining. You know, yeah. Like- uh, what's the matter with you two? Their father cried impatiently. He raised his hand in an eating gesture. Pick up your spoons. Come on. What are you waiting for? Margaret and Casey raised their spoons and dropped them into the soft green substance, but they couldn't raise their spoons to their mouth. They couldn't. Eat! Eat! Dr. Brewer screamed, pounding the table with his good hand. What are you waiting for? Eat your lunch. Go ahead. Eat it. Yeah, I've never seen my dad scream, you know, like my dad's no, like yelled, my table. dad's, yeah, my dad's never screamed. Yeah. Especially to eat food. It, it really gives me the same like feeling of like when it's always sunny in Philadelphia, when Dennis Reynolds would, when he starts to lose it a bit. I mean, I came in there, right, and I was polite and I was nice to them. Yeah. I was cordial and they completely goddamn disrespected yeah. me. Little idiots, idiots. Yeah. And it's very out of the blue because the rest of them, book he doesn't say a fucking word yeah. to anyone yeah he just kind of grumbles around and at first like oh he's just depressed because he's lost his job <laughs> like that's like i read it as an adult I was like, oh he's depressed he's lost his job and he's throwing himself happy. into making this really uh stanky dank strain that's yeah, like really gonna knock yourself smelling up. sour down there and dad spends his whole time <laughs> down there and won't talk to mum and dad, dad spends his time down there working his plans and watching family guy dvds <laughs> yeah so i thought that was a really effective scene yes. again Yes. listeners we're going back and forth because i guess sam i disagree with you about the effectiveness but it is sort of it's uh, there's not a lot of change i guess until the sort of the no. very final act it's yes. sort of and, a lot of the same stuff like, yes and i feel like and it dragged the stuff there's the contents wasn't bad but i feel mm. like 
when I got to, uh, when I heard like what happened in chapter five and six, you know, that they found out that he had a plant on his head mm. and they knew that he was not normal. And he's, he's bleeding green stuff from a cut in yes. his hand. Yes. So, so the audio book went for two hours and 40 minutes. Mm. That was like an hour and 15 in. And I was mm. like, how is there an hour and a half more to this? Yeah. So they, they've just realized the dad is a plant. The mum mm. isn't home. What's going to happen? And then like, I think those next four or five chapters kind of like, for me, like it was spinning the wheels a bit. The point I can put on where I felt it picked up again is when they said that mum will be home in an hour. So that, you know, like, like something's going to, something's yes, going to happen in the next hour. Now. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, that was the urgency. Cause I think there's a, another thing I want to point out is like when they talk to their mum and they say that the auntie's operation has gone bad. Mm. That took me by surprise. Cause I thought this is a kid's book. They yeah. I want to talk about medical problems going bad. Kids don't yeah. want to hear that stuff. Like, that's kind of real life scary. But mm. when the mum says that and she's going to be there for a while and she said, you know, make sure your father's eating and all that stuff, that was the part where I was like, oh, this is like sad. Like it was, it became like grim in a, in a different way. It was like, what are these kids doing day to day? Who's yeah. cooking them breakfast? The second Goosebumps book in a row where we don't get any mention of school. Like, I know it's mentioned in Welcome to Dead House, but you don't see these kids at school. They're both very domesticated no. stories, these first two. Yeah, again, I think it does work in this one because I'm looking at the the dynamics of, if it was just, I guess, there's something scary in the basement, probably I don't think the tension could sustain. But I think the yes. real horror comes from the uncertainty about your dad. Like this is someone you've known yes. your whole life and now he's suddenly like, you know, acting so differently. And I guess I really did. I, I felt the responsibility Margaret had. And I don't know if Arl Stein's position is like a noble thing, but like she really does suffer. Yeah, it's heavy for her yeah, to like. She, she feels like she is like having to think beyond her years and act beyond her years. Yeah. And she's shouldering a weight that is not what a 12 year old. You're absolutely right. Because she, she's got to look after her younger brother. She's got to try and get her dad to eat something. And on top of that, she's got to like not make her mum worry. Like, yes, because there was a point where I was like, this is dumb. Why doesn't she just tell her mum what's going on? But then it actually, yeah, it addresses it. She's, she's like, like oh, my mum's mom, dealing with like, her, yeah, her sister's gone through this surgery that hasn't gone well. Like she doesn't want to add to it. Again, this is a, this is a call she does have with her mother. He's working really hard, Mrs. Brewer replied. He never comes out of the basement, Margaret complained, a little more bitterly than she had intended. Your father's experiments are very important to him, her mother said. More important than we are, Margaret cried. She hated the whiny tone in her voice. She wished she hadn't started complaining about her dad over the phone. Yeah. Her mother had enough to worry about at the hospital. Margaret knew she shouldn't yes. make her feel even worse. Your dad has a lot to prove, Mrs. Brewer said, to himself and to others. I think he's working so hard because he wants to prove to Mr. Martinez and the others at the university that they were wrong to fire him. He wants to show them that they made a big mistake. But we used to see him more before he was home all the time, Margaret complained. And this is, this is quite telling this next line. She could hear her mother sigh impatiently. Margaret, I'm trying to explain to you. You're old enough to understand. She's fucking 12. Can't, yes, like, yes, fuck off. Yes, like, and yes, like, that's weird the phone call is, I was thinking of. Weird shit is happening. And like, your daughter is confiding in you about how she feels. And you're like, aren't you a bit too old to be worrying about your dad not talking to you at all? Yes, and, and I think this was, this was a part where I was like, oh, this is a bad, this is a plot reason why. Why doesn't the mum just bring the kids with her if the dad's such a fucking, you know, disheveled hermit like yeah. why does the mum not just take the kids but yeah and then because then he's like to think about oh is the mum doing this as part of a part of a getaway for herself from mm. the fact that her husband doesn't talk to her and things aren't going well for her in her own life like it yeah I think it, becomes, it becomes more complex than what i thought about it 
after I finished it. I want to go back to that thing you said about it's like the tension, the atmosphere of navigating their dad, like being around mm, him. Mm, mm. Um, is he is he around? Do you have to go talk to him? Probably why I didn't. I felt I didn't like that middle part as much is because it felt kind of uncomfortable because you're like something's going to happen. And the mm. more they make that he talks about their like, humdrum life, what they did on during the day. Yeah, she goes to the go riding bike bikes with, and flying yeah, carts or whatever. Yeah, I, I, yeah, because I'm like, why don't they just go and deal with it? But I'm like, oh no, she's putting it off because it's scary and she doesn't want to deal with it and that that became more realistic i guess which is good and i don't think it's intentional because it's a book for children but it did make me Mm. think of like if your dad is like a violent person like how so often the spouse in those situations will make excuses to themselves and to and to the children because the mum kept covering He's like, oh, he's, you in, know, because he's, he's, like, he's very shit. busy. You know, he's stressed out at work. He's doing this for all of us. And similar to like how, like, as I said, the kids will always defend the dad to Diane, even though they know he's like, he is pretty like off his rocker at this stage. But like, yeah, yeah, he's th- fucked up. they'll still, they'll still defend that. So that's what it got me thinking of. How did you feel about the description of the basement and sort of the atmosphere there? Did you find that effective? That's the part that really felt like a sci-fi book to me. Is it feels yeah. like you? It's like otherworldly down there in a way that's like because you maybe they're looking through a, a kids a kids lens of like what are all these electronic components and the lights and the the long parts of the plants hanging everywhere. Mm. Um, and th- th- that part there seemed like scary because I can picture like how terrifying that must be to be in that to be in that space. I feel like in, in horror films, this is substituted for the. Like, like the part where people get killed. Like, this is the part where, like... Well, like, if there's an some, person, someone goes missing from the group and then, like, turns up. Yes, and, the, yes, and like, the, you know, stay out of the basement. That's the, like, I feel like there's, like, a, there's a, every horror film, it, there's some kind of reference to, like, don't go in there. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, don't yeah. Go into this yeah. Part. So I feel like this was, like, R.L. Stein saying, this is a really common trope. This is as close as we can get to replicating friendly. it without... Uh... Yes, there's a sense of dread about that place, even though you don't know what's going on. We'll be right back with more um, analysis of the basement and whether or not Margaret's dad is smoking some sticky wiki. What's it called? Sticky icky. <laughs> that sticky icky. Uh, right after these short messages. At ease, rookie. Declan Art here. I've seen a lot of things in my 22 years in the SAS, some of them good, most of them bad, and I want to share my experience with you. In my new cryptocurrency podcast, Elite Investments with Declan Art. The world of cryptocurrency is a jungle, not entirely unlike the jungles of the Congo, where I may have been deployed in 2001 on behalf of Her Majesty's government, I'm not allowed to say. But I can say that there are many pitfalls that first-time crypto investors fall prey to, and that's where I come in. Whether you're after funky bits, dogecoin or cum rockets, my podcast will make sure you're armed to the teeth and ready to fight to the death in the online crypto market. Hesitant? That attitude could get you killed in the streets of Afghanistan, where I may also have been stationed. I must retreat. Listen to Elite Investments with Declan Art from Anderson Entertainment, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're discussing Stay Out of the Basement. Goosebumps number two with Dungeon Master Sam Rogerson. The audio, it should be explained, is due to a Zoom call. In case you haven't worked that out already, we are unable to to be in the same room. Sam is currently incarcerated for crimes of passion. Is that correct, Sam? Um, 
I was told any, any comments I made will be used against me in a court of law. It is quite, quite annoying because you will recall that um, Sam's uncle, Mr. Henderson, did in fact pay for a recording studio. Um, so it's a shame we haven't been able to use that for this episode. Um, have you heard from your uncle about the show so far, Sam? Yeah, I kept calling him to try and um, organise a studio um, perhaps closer to, to my house or your house. Mm. Um, but there was just a message from another man with the phone saying that um, if someone didn't give him a brown bag full of money, that he'd cut off more of their toes. So well, he said, Anyway, he said more of his toes. Yeah, I think it like it might be like a Halloween prank. You know what I mean? Like a, yeah. like, a like a joke, like a joke answering message. You know? Yeah, it's not. Except he, he answered the phone though, so it probably isn't an answering receipt message if it's him telling me right. he's going to cut off some toes. Probably I probably had the wrong number though, so that's not. Well, that's probably fine, isn't it? Um. Yeah. Um. So there's this scene in um where they're discussing the basement. Sam, uh, I'm going to read a little excerpt for you. Um, this is from chapter 13. Can I just ask though, before we, before I go in, are you ready to get horny? Um, it's a simple question. It's a father? simple question. Are you ready to get horny? Yes. Okay, good. So um, listen, listen to this description of the basement. <clears throat> Knowing a little of what to expect down here didn't make it any less frightening. They were hit immediately by a blast of steamy hot air. The air, Margaret realised, was so wet, so thick, that droplets immediately clung to her skin. Squinting against the sudden bright light, they stopped in the doorway to the plant room. The plant seemed taller, thicker, more plentiful than the first time they'd ventured down here. Long, sinewy tendrils drooped from thick yellow stalks. Broad green and yellow leaves bobbed and trembled, shimmering under the white light. Leaves slapped against each other, making a soft- Like big pieces of meat. <laughs> making a soft, wet sound, a fat tomato plopped to the ground Yuck. yeah yeah um, we've also got bushy look, f- look. We've, we've, we've also got bushy fern in there but um i think i've made my point that, uh, I, I i did pick up on that that was another one where i was like oh i don't know stein mate get get that pen out of your hand and put the other one in your hand back to writing thanks mate I've I bel- of that. I, that sort of brings us to the climax of the book um the dad goes to pick up the mother from the airport and they venture down into the basement yet again also it should be noted um by this stage they've said they've found Dr. Martinez, the boss who came to visit, they found his yes. jacket and his yeah. and his tie down there. And the dad's like, "Oh, he got hot, and you know, um, he went home." Like, <laughs> all right, fair enough. But then they find like <laughs> his pants and his wallet as well. So they're like, yeah. "Okay, dad definitely kidnapped Mr. Martinez and put him in here." Dad's, dad's definitely having sex with Mr. Martinez. In well, the there is I, there is a huge sexual subtext about what goes on in the basement, especially since. The revelation is there's this, I guess, this closet in the basement and it's locked up and they unlock it. And who's in there, Sam? Um, the dad and Mr. Martinez. And they need to get them out of the closet, apparently. 
they've been they've been trapped in the closet for so long so the dad gives this explanation actually no so they unlock the closet and the dad does a really shit job of like explaining to the kids what's going on he doesn't even try to he just grabs an axe and then like starts past them yeah walks past them. them and then Sure enough, the other Mr. Mo- the other dad and the mum are in the stairs now. They've just come home from the basement. Yeah. Fucking the mum, like, first thing she says, kids, what have you done? She cried. Her hands <laughs> pressed Why against her chair. Oh, fuck off. It's not their <laughs> fault. What have you done? You ran off to fucking Tucson and left yes. your fucking kids in, in the care of plants. How did you think they're capable of doing anything? I know. It's like maybe you should be annoyed at your husband for creating a plant copy of himself rather than... So there's two of your husband in front of you. Yeah, get mad at one of of them. She grabs the axe and we get this classic sci-fi dilemma of which one's the real one? Which one do I kill? Yes. And this is the part where I was like, oh, okay. Like, I I guess they're going to have to say something and she'll she'll guess who it is. And the way she figures this out, yeah, is she she stabs one of them, right? Yeah. But the way they describe it in the book, I remember I was listening to this. I had to like stop what I was doing, and I was like, "That's dark." She just, I, yeah, you know, you, you're right. She doesn't like say, "Put out your hand and like gently draw the knife across." No, it's like I uh, let me let me find it. It's um, her rage has been pent up from like you know all the chores she's been doing and the emotional labor she's been doing for everyone. It just snapped and just stabs one of them. She probably, um, she probably hoped it was the real dad. Then she stepped over to the man from the supply closet and pushed the knife blade into his arm. That's a st- that's called a stab, R.L. Stein. That's yes. what she and, did. And, and she stabbed and, someone. And it sounds so non. It sounds so like non-emotional, like very like sociopathic. Like yeah, I'm just gonna stab you. Like I'm gonna put. I'm gonna, gonna push this knife into your arm. Yeah, for fun. Margaret's the real monster. Is <laughs> Margaret? Everyone should stay out of the basement and leave Margaret there. The dad from the supply closet bleeds red, and she knows yep. because the other one was bleeding green. That the green one must be the plant you know copy. Do you, know what, do you know what's weird though? Is what? that if you, if you put the knife into me, you'd find out that my heart bleeds true for the red and the blue. <laughs> um, she discovers the dad that just came home from the airport is in fact the plant dad. How does she deal with plant dad, Sam? Um, don't they just burn him or something? No, I'll, I'll, I can't believe you miss this. Like the fucking most gruesome thing, like in the fucking book. I can't believe you got this. I, um, I, I was, I was eating cereal during this part of it. So, and no, no, sorry, I was driving during this part of it. So, apologies, I may have missed the uh, gruesome detail. Oh, you, you, you're gonna get my first-hand reaction anyway. Okay, this, all what right. I think of it. So, red blood trickled from the hole. Is the quote. He's our real dad, she told Casey, sighing with relief. Here, dad, she handed him the axe. Margaret, you're wrong, the man in the baseball cap cried in alarm. He's tricked you. He's tricked you, which would sort of make me second guess. I'd be like, oh, shit. Uh, maybe I yeah, did that seems convincing. The capless, yeah. the capless Dr. Brewer moved quickly. He picked up the axe, took three steps forward, pulled the axe back, and swung with all his might. The Dr. Brewer in the cap opened his mouth wide and uttered a hushed cry of alarm. The cry was choked off as the axe cut easily through his body, slicing him in two. A thick green liquid oozed from the wound. And as the man fell, his mouth locking open in disbelief and horror, Margaret could see that the body was actually a stem. He had no bones, no human organs. 
The body yes, thudded sorry, to the no, floor. Green liquid puddled around it. The real dad just uh, fucking weird. just uh, cuts through this dude with an axe, and uh, he just yeah. yes. But he keeps talking about how these things are like living creatures, and how he's creating a new kind of creature, <laughs> and he just fucking just murders one, just murks it right in front of his family. Like yeah, nah. that's right. So so then we get an explanation of what what sort of happened, and they were trying to which, electro. Which, which I'm no scientist, but it sounds like fucking nonsense. Um, yeah, yeah, it's essentially. Like you have two, molecules in my blood. two chambers and you electronically send molecules of an animal into a plant, which is why we had all these like, oh, there's this really effective scene where of like half human, half plants when they're in the, in yeah, the like closet. Moaning and then growing, like, 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 um, bo- like abominations of like yes. man and God, like these eldritch horrors. Yes. Eldritch horrors is a great, great term for it of just like these half, like, plants with fucking arms and like tomatoes with faces it's pretty like disgusting <laughs> like it's pretty good yeah fuck. um and he was making these half human half plant things and then some blood from a cut in his hand got onto the machine and like i guess created yes. this plant dad and i guess i don't know is it established um, plant that- daddy <laughs> 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 yep yeah exactly exactly uh is it established at what point in the story like dr brewer becomes the fake dr brewer like did you no no because because in that middle bit nothing fucking happens and mm. i guess because he was like that before everyone left yeah so like yeah it, it, it says i was trapped in there for the last couple of days yeah so i was like we don't know how long that actually the is last, like a few months though so presumably so, like, like when at least when he was feeding them the goop, like the green yes, goop. I think that, that was him. That I, was I plant. think that was the plant. Yeah, that yes. was plant. And when he was shoveling like plant food the into his was, mouth. Oh, and sorry, scariest scene in the book when she goes into his bedroom and, and his bed's just full of dirt and bugs. Dirt and worms, mm. yeah. Okay, yes, yeah. that's obviously plant dad. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, how weird is that part? Yeah, it's pretty gross. Fuck. It's pretty gross. She pulls back the sheets on his bed. There's just earthworms just like writhing on his bed because I guess yeah. that's how plant daddy likes that to just, sleep. That were, just, that, were just, that were just huge dildos. She didn't know what they were. <laughs> just like, yeah, <laughs> vibrators. Just like he hadn't bothered, going he hadn't bothered turning off. Just, <laughs> um, um, and he's like, yeah, I um yeah I, I i guess i guess i fucked up kids <laughs> anyway let's yeah. take the, let's take these sentient plants out to the backyard and fucking burn them alive <laughs> and go get ice cream at the end so yeah they burn these things which they've established are intelligent and have some degree of sentience but yeah but but he comes back up and he's like well that's most of them i was like do you not well, want to get them all yeah Do you not well, want to kill them all right well, now? which which sort of leads us to our cliffhanger he's like i i oh, i yeah. burnt i burnt most of them but some that could be saved i planted in the backyard and uh what happens yeah, right. what happens at the end there sam oh a little yellow flower taps her on the leg and goes i'm your real dad and then apparently the dad is a plant still yeah, so well, no, it doesn't really. But I, I guess that's just a cliffhanger. That this little plant saying, "Hey, Margaret, I'm your actual dad." But I think it would have been mm. better if the if the plant like just looked up and said, "Um, I'm baby." <laughs> no, because also the dad explains at the table after they've killed the plant one that he's getting plant stuff growing out of his head too. Yes, yes, that was strange. Like, like, oh, then. The, that shouldn't happen because he's like, oh, the plant DNA got in my blood, which made me yeah. grow plant stuff. And I was yeah. like, that doesn't that's not like something you would say if you were a plant. Yes, I think uh. look, I don't think the cliffhanger is meant to be taken too seriously. But it was strange. I thought it was strange that even the real dad in the narrative had also that green 
uh, leaves growing from his hair. Like you'd think you'd save yeah. that for just the plant dad. Yes, so it was not it added confusion to it all. Yeah. So in uh, also in the TV adaption, which is a really, really good, really, really tense episode um, of the series, yeah. rather than rather than the knife scene, I don't know why if this was done because they couldn't show someone getting fucking stabbed yeah, in the I'm, arm I'm on children's television. <laughs> but Margaret's armed with weed killer and she goes down and there's the, the face off between the two dads and the dad in the closet calls her princess, which she established as one of her nicknames. And that's, yes, enu- yes. that's enough, which does happen, which does happen in the book, but that's not what makes her like decide. I was going to say, I thought that was going to be the thing that, that yeah. like that's, that I think that's her over because yeah, she, she, men- she mentions earlier that he doesn't call her princess anymore. Yeah. And yeah, that's meant to signify that this isn't the real dad because he's not calling her princess. And especially considering both of them have plants in their head, I think you can't necessarily rely on physical markers of who's a plant and no. who's not. It and should have been also, just the emotional one of... Also, if she thought the one she was going to stab was her real dad, would she not then try and stab the one she doesn't think is her real dad? If I'm going to stab someone... I better not stab my real dad. I know it reminds me. It reminds me of a scene in Simpsons where Chief Wiggum's like, "All right, every they're locked in a police cell." He goes, "All right, every every police cell has like one faulty bar as like a fail safe," and he taps all of them except the last one, and he goes, "All right, by process of elimination, it must be this one." So he charges into that one and really hurts himself. Like, <laughs> wouldn't you? While you've got the knife, cut the other dad as well. You know, just to double check that he. Gr- that he i mean what if what if the dad got the axe and just chopped him and it's just like a human body there he's like oh my god <laughs> oh, also reference to the mr martinez guy they do find him he's do you remember that yeah yeah but like he's bound and gagged and stuff but like and presumably in his underwear because he's taken his clothes yeah and then he's I, like I he's I, like well i'm pissed but this this scientific discovery is... <laughs> again, again they're so negligent they're like hmm you do seem to be trying to play god with the human race and plants I'll you get be- you back onto the- <laughs> you'd better do it in the university rather than in your basement yes. not only is it quickly forgiven it's forgiven mere moments after yeah. <laughs> after person. seconds after he's put his pants on and again we don't know how oh my god we don't know how long he's been in there has he been forced no. to eat like human tomatoes to survive in that fucking closet? The fact that he uses the words, we have to get dad out of the closet. And yes. who is the true Dr. Brewer? Who is he really? You know, is it this one that's been in the closet or is it this one who has a wife and kids, but doesn't seem interested in all of them? Yes. And, yes. And, and, and instead of that, instead of spending time with his wife, he's in the closet for days on end with mm. his boss, Mr. Martinez. Whose clothes who's, go missing. Most horror genres can usually be pinpointed to a certain anxiety within mm. a, within a, mm. a culture or a society, like mm. um, zom- zombie films and and in the eighties and like an AIDS crisis. Like there's a there's a there's a um, variant of like people are afraid of what becomes of the human flesh when certain things happen to people in certain illnesses, and that that kind of gets um, exploited in terms of like, well, yeah. let's do a character that is, you know, representative of those that. of those yes. anxieties. But see, I I, yes. I don't I don't see it as like a gay panic story. I see it as like a a self acceptance story in internal that internal struggle. Yeah, yes. yeah. The the side of Doctor Brewer that's been locked away in a closet is is, is the real Doctor Brewer. That's him, and yes. um, the yes. people around him uh, love him more when he is himself rather than when he's assuming this identity of what he yes, thinks and, he and, has to be 
putting an axe through the person he used to be and his boss has now seen that he's a changed man. Like that, mm. that, that's probably the more like milk toast take like you probably you could probably have. It's probably mm. a safer take to have on it. Mm. Um, but I think you're right. It is sometimes it just feels like there's too many things that line up in a in a, in a narrative like subtextually that subtextually that you're like, is is he thinking about this? Yeah. Or am I just... Well, that's the thing. He said quite explicitly he doesn't put morals in his story, but you're, yes. you're, we are going to find those morals regardless. Yes. It's like saying my art isn't political. Well, it is political. It just supports the status quo. Like, or, like yes. there's yes. politics yes. in everything, whether or not yes. you deliberately set out to put them in there. All right, Sam, what is one thing you learned from this story? Well, as always, there's a plethora of things to take away from R.L. Stein's Great, great work. But in this story, I think you have to challenge the status quo. You know, if someone says don't do this or don't do that, I think you need to challenge that. If someone says don't go into the basement, I think, you know what, no, you have to go into the basement. If someone says, you know, wear a mask, I think, you know, don't wear a mask. If someone says you've got to be vaccinated, I think nonsense. Do what you do, do you, do you, you know, you got that, you got that from Goosebumps Stay Out of the Basement, did you? Don't get vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if someone says COVID 19 is real, I think you say no, it's not. And I think if someone says stay out of the basement, say, hey, hey man, I'm out of the basement, you know, I, I'm out of Plato's cave, I'm already out of the basement, man. I love that the dad is literally in the basement doing his own <laughs> research. Like, <laughs> I would say, if I had to say I learned anything, it's that. If you're pretty sure someone is a plant, just swing an axe at them as hard as you can. And hopefully it turns out your assumptions were correct. Just generally yeah. just good advice. If, if you're pretty sure someone's a plant, stab the person you think isn't a plant to yep. make sure they're yep. not a plant yep. too. Yep. 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 So if you're in a room with two people, and you have a suspicion one of them is a plant, stab the one you think isn't a plant. And therefore, by default, the other person is definitely a plant. <laughs> Same difference. Uh, Sam, you gave, you gave Welcome to Dead House four stars. What do you give this one? I would say this is a three and a half. Mm-hmm. And there were definitely times where it was a three. And I think the ending, the ending is a four, but I think it, the, the first two thirds didn't quite hit the four for me. So I'll say three and a half. Fair enough. I think this was a fantastic story. I think the horror of what was in the basement was perfectly supplemented by the horror of what's going on with dad. And um, uh, if you've, you know, witnessed my dad uh, put down a few beers, um, you'd know that's a horror I can relate to uh, quite firmly. So based, that's what I think. I always think these stories are better when they touch on real anxieties. So I'm going to give this book. uh, You have. Yes, yes. I've always said stories are better when I personally can relate to them. And And more, more, yeah, exactly. And more people should be trying to replicate my experience directly. And on that, (laughs) I'm going to give it five uh, little uh, tomato faces out of five. This comment on the YouTube comments of the of the audio book that I I listened to says, um, this is the book that made me terrified of plants. <laughs> as if, as if they've read a bunch of them beforehand. As if, yeah. And that, 
as a kid, you're eventually going to be terrified of plants. It's just a matter of which book inspires that yeah. reaction. And it's like, are they happy about that or are they angry about that? I don't know. Yeah, there's a comment with the masturbation joke name called The One-Handed Typer, but he's commenting on a, he's joining on a thread that starts with an original comment three years ago from Marty Koslow that says, this book terrified me as a kid. I really think R.L. Stein is Stephen King for kids. So... There's 58 likes on that statement, so a lot of people, lot of people agree. I don't know. It's very, it's a very wholesome comment thread. Like everyone's kind of like, no, no. But my instinct is to make fun of these people. Some of these comments are people making requests. A lot of people asking this YouTube uploader to put up Diary of a Wimpy Kid audiobooks. Right, not exactly the same bag, but okay. No, the next one is an edited comment that says, "Do the bloob that ate everyone." <laughs> uh, do we have yes. anything to add before we wrap it up? Um, can, what's the next one we're doing? Next one we're doing is uh, Monster Blood. All right. This is now. There's a few of these, isn't there, in the in the in the series? Yeah. There's... I, I imagine. I, I imagine we're starting with number one. <laughs> Let me just check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. All right. Because I've got to say, if you're going into number four, we've got a bit of catching up to do. But um. Oh, classic cover. Again, we'll talk about this more next time. But the green blood. Yeah. The yeah. yellow and blue. The goosebumps font. It's all there. <laughs> All your all your favourites are there. <laughs> um, well, that, well, that's great. You know, um, hopefully, we'll be in the studio by uh, by yeah. by next time. Um, I would crossed. I would like a bit more. I guess, like I probably should have said this off air, but like I have been trying to like get this conversation with you for a couple of weeks now, and like you keep telling me you're like you're like working on things, and then you just post like pictures of you on Instagram just like playing stardew valley like do you know what i mean yeah well it's just like I, 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 yeah but that's not really i guess when you say i'm working on things i i i, I assumed it was i guess something a bit more important than that because like i'm well yeah it's, or, or it's funny because like, sometimes you can work on things that are the most important which is you know yourself self-care you know yeah mental health is at a you need to write a little bit less about this virus and write a bit more about mental health, my friend. Tell me more about how much you've got writing on this, Mister. I've got other podcasts with you know with other people going on. Yet, so what I'm hearing from you is actually um, you want me to give my um, you know myself to you, but um, you've, you've actually got you know seven other people that you also give yourself to. So maybe you, give yourself a fiction before the next episode, mate. Well, it looks like we've both given each other. Quite a bit to think about. Follow us on Instagram. Follow, follow the Goosebumps Instagram account. I'm always chiming in there, putting, you know, sharing stories with Alex in the comments, you know, of the photos, you know, yeah. about the, my favorite books, what's yeah. going on. You don't have to, you don't have to read the comments. Just if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, like you can ignore the comments if you if you choose to is, is all i'm saying they're not fundamental to the experience of of following me yeah, I, I, I'm, doing some real good, I'm doing some real good work well, in these comments there talking to the fans yeah. reaching out to the community well, i'm not getting a lot of response in my comments though so maybe you know if you could i don't know you know pin pin the comment to the top of the thread or something oh, i don't think i don't think i can do that on my account ah yeah so that account is uh goosebumps dot podcast at instagram or if you want to follow me more generally latte richer underscore that's l a double t sorry sorry, sorry, sorry. Yep. how do you say that again how do you say that again latte richer underscore okay what's that a play on words of it's a play it on words and latte no it's latte and literature the fact that you didn't realize that has made me think it's <laughs> probably wrong to base my entire branding on that word L A T 
E R A T U R E underscore. I thought it was like aperture, like for camera. It's a photo based medium. Oh, it's whatever you want. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking who cares? Hey, 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 good props. Why isn't it Draculature? Fuck, that's good. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Alex Gates and. The other one, um, Sam Rogerson, Dungeon Master Daddy, Dungeon Master, we'll just say Dungeon Master Sam Rogerson, reminding you to uh, please stay spooky, stay out of the basement. I'm smoking weed and having a family guy wank to Lois. Gadsy on Goosebumps is a literature podcast. A co-production of Henderson Entertainment Network and Equinox Petrochemical Solutions. If you'd like to listen to more stirring podcasts or hear about how the petrochemical industry supports your local community, please visit Lartricha.com. That's Lartricha, L-A-T-T-E-R-A-T-U-R-E.com.